Uh, brought to you by the Miracle of Radio. It's Miracle Radio. This is a podcast about the fictional national park of Miracle, Texas, in the HBO series The Leftovers. I'm Michael Hastings. And I'm Molly McCormick. And welcome back to another week in Miracle, Texas. How are you doing, Molly? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah? How about, how about yourself? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm thankful. Good. Um, <laughs> I'd like to start this episode off with a joke. Really? Ready? Knock, knock. Is this? Is uh, <laughs> yeah. Knock, okay. knock. Who's there? Broken pencil. Broken pencil. Who? Never mind. It's pointless. <laughs> oh, this little comedy comes yeah. up for you from the miracle. It's amazing. Comedy lab. Uh, yeah, they, they, the geniuses over there. I've never heard that one before, Me but either. I'm guessing it's what. It, the problem with doing knock knock jokes <laughs> ever, it, especially on like a, a form of media, is like <laughs> it is now immortalized in your show, right? For like perpetuity and. Um, yeah, it's a big thing. It's a big <laughs> risk <laughs> to have like the non-humor of a knock-knock joke in your show. But I don't know. I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. In a really uh, depressing <laughs> way. So what happened this week, Molly? <laughs> All right. This week, we are on the pen ultimate episode of The Leftovers. Ooh, mm-hmm. pen soul ultimate, broken oh, pencil. Oh, <laughs> broken pencil ultimate, uh, episode 209, 1013. Uh, according to HBO, the synopsis says Meg suffers a personal loss and heads out on a pilgrimage to Miracle. After a fallout with Lori, Tom seeks to reunite with Meg. All yeah. Right. Yeah. That's not really descriptive of it's what happens in the episode. But no, it is, because it like how much could they say for <laughs> this episode? Everything's confusing and we're all Well, how much could any of us say, really? This is true. Uh, this was directed by Keith Gordon, who uh, looks like um, he did one episode. So he did this episode and he did Two Boats and a Helicopter uh, last season. Ooh. Um, so... That uh, was a big Matt Jameson episode, I think. Yeah, that yeah. was the Matt Jameson episode. Um, yeah, so he's he's uh, had quite a versatile background, but more interesting to me, uh, it was written by Damon Lindelof and Monica Beletsky, and um, she, Monica Beletsky, also wrote and produced a lot of episodes of Parenthood as well as Friday Night Lights. Oh, really? So I feel like the lady knows something about dysfunctional family relationships and does, like, a lot. Like, so Parenthood and Friday Night Lights are two of my favorite shows, and they're very, Mm -hmm. very... uh, Different. uh, Well, they're both Jason Kadams, but they, like, deal heavily with, like... um, a lot of character stuff, a lot of mm-hmm. um, emotional, intense, yeah. dramatic content, but they they're very well written and very well done. So, um, so having her write this episode, um, yeah, it's a big ha- deal. Yeah. So so anyway, so uh, so ten thirteen. What was your initial reaction? Um. Mm, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that. The episode raised a lot of questions. It did answer some questions that we had, like from earlier in the season, like what that number seven place was, and a lot of like the miracle stuff was answered. But I don't know if I, 
could say that I enjoyed the episode particularly. It was just sort of it 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 began, it continued, and then it ended. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes, that's that's exactly what it did. As most things do. Yes. Um I actually I liked it um because I thought it gave us both uh, more insight on Meg and yet none at all like answered some filled in some background about her story and yet I still mm-hmm. feel like I don't know her at all as well and we'll we'll get to talking about Meg because this was a very Meg was there an episode, episode uh like devoted, s- to, devoted her? to her last season um I, th- I mean we she was kind of heavily featured more towards the end but she mm-hmm. didn't get her own episode so I felt like this was um she just was kind of this shady character who kind of came up and she seemed, yeah, I don't think she had her own episode. So this was, this was the mega, megasode, if you will. The mega a mega, a mega episode. Omega sode. Omega. <laughs> yeah. You're going all night. All right. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's jump right to uh, into it. And instead of doing that, actually, I'm going to okay. reinforce once again something that we've said a couple times on the show. Uh, this uh, In this episode, we're not really going to be trying to recap the whole of everything that happened in this episode, mostly because this episode is impossible to, like, recap. Uh, I mean, if it had been... Anyway, uh, it's more of a fun cap or a celebration of what went on, and we'll talk about what we were interested in, so we'll probably miss details, and that's kind of on purpose. So sit back, relax, (laughs) and enjoy. Yeah, so (laughs) let's (laughs) find out what went on in Miracle. Like, it's a miracle. Yeah. Uh, so, um, th- this uh, week in Miracle, Molly. Yeah. The weather's nice as always. Oh. It's back down. Just it's been a cold. A little overcast, yeah. but, you know, mostly, we're, you know, we're, we're enjoying the weather. Yeah. We get outside a lot. It's so, we have, we have three different portraits of Meg in this episode. We've got flashback Meg. In the very first. Um, And then we've got going to Miracle Meg. And then we've got, well, I would say that flashback back Meg and going to Miracle Meg are almost the same person. Um, Yeah, but did she go to Miracle? See, here's what I I got. The timeline got a little fuzzy. So here's the, uh, oh, yeah. What's your question? Oh, no. (laughs) Well, my, so... hmm. The timeline is, uh, (laughs) it's October 13th is when her mother dies. Mm -hmm. Then two years later, uh, she goes to Miracle with her engaged husband, Mm -hmm. engaged fiancé. And uh, that's when she meets Evie. And then we sort of fast forward to her, uh, what's the next thing that happens? Uh, we fast forward to her um, uh, at the school bus. So she's on the bus out out of uh, okay. Miracle, 
And then we're in the bus, and uh, that's when she throws the grenade on the school bus. Oh, And that is now current time. Okay. So there are basically three different time periods. It starts the day before the departure, then two years later, and then present day. So in in that way, there are three different time periods. For some reason, I was thinking because... Because she says it's two years later. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was thinking there was some kind of overlap between Guilty Remnant Meg and this Meg who suddenly went back. And so there, but there wasn't for some reason. Yeah. So that was before the Guilty Remnant. Well, that makes more sense. Um, So, so yeah. So we see um, kind of more insight into her life. We see, uh, what did you think of all those different scenarios? Well, it's um, it's uh, sort of a. I'm struggling to find any words or <laughs> adjectives to describe it because it is. It's like a concealing and revealing at the same time. Right. Um. It's like the as the, as soon as they reveal some new information, it's just as like enigmatic as the previous in- information. Um, so yeah, I don't know what right. to really make of the three i don't I don't know if it's like a structural thing. I think it's sort of the the episode is very linear, and I don't think it's really broken up into three parts. Those are just sort of how the story has been told. Oh yeah, no, um, but because d- even lengthwise, the first two end about a third into the episode and then the second two thirds are uh, guilty remnant make. Right. Um, and Tom and Laurie, we catch up with them as yeah, well. Tom and Laurie, but yeah. they, I mean, they are even like the, they only have one scene together. Yeah. And then Tom has a couple scenes, but it's mostly Meg. So Tom, th- this is, um, we find out Tom, we already found out this about Tom. I don't, we already found out that Tom became disenfranchised uh, and and that apparently his mom had convinced him to hug people, which you you wouldn't have known from the episode. Did we find and this out before? Is that what you're saying? We found it out when Laurie was talking to Kevin. At oh, the they gate. had a fight. And yeah. Yeah. Um, and she was like, I had a fight with Tom. He didn't want to do this anymore. Or maybe it was at the hotel. But we found it out before. Oh, yeah. She says people (laughs) are um, susceptible to false belief when something like that happens. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, as background to this um, episode, you found something. Or, I mean, it's a variety article. Like, anybody can read it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But what what do we have as background? Um, So... Uh, in a recent Variety article interview with Damon Lindelof, um, and we've been talking kind of about how the show is very enigmatic and we have all these kind of up-in-the-air questions. And mm-hmm. um, he said he watched this movie um, called Picnic at Hanging Rock, and it mm-hmm. is a 1975 um, Australian film directed by Peter Weir of mm-hmm. Truman Show, Dead Poet Society, directorial fame. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it was just this really kind of strange um, movie where uh, the movie opens with the title card that says, 
Um, on Valentine's Day in 1900, a party of schoolgirls set out to picnic at Hanging Rock. Some were never meant to return. And that's all it says. And apparently, now, neither Michael or myself have seen this movie, but uh, apparently in the movie it starts out with that, and then um, they just don't ever find the girls. Spoiler yeah. alert, they don't find the girls. In, yeah. And he, Damon Lindelof says, uh, when he, the reason he had it in his head, the first time he saw it, he said, so I'm like, this has to be a true story because why would a title card tell me that mm-hmm. they were never found? But what was amazing about and that... It, it isn't a true story, though, right? It's not or a true it, story. But yeah. it's but typically movies today, or I don't know, um, I'm making a generalization here, but if it is a true story, we'll start out with a title card and say, like, based on actual events yeah. or loosely based on uh, something like that. But it didn't start out with anything like that. So... Yeah. Um, but he says, you know, what was amazing about it is that you're now about to watch the girls disappear and mm-hmm. the movie just told you you're never going to find out where they went. So how can you make this movie work knowing it's going to withhold the answer from you? It's going to explore the question and people are going to be blamed, but you know that those are going to be red herrings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's... All uh, along the way, you know. And so I feel like that's very informs everything even the the title song of the leftovers and yeah. the, the credits is like very it seems like he took a lot of um inspiration from well, this it, setup and it, format it has a lot of um bearing on the way that the girls from this show have disappeared i mean and they've come back but i i yeah i guess it's more about the way that the narrative flows and um i think there's something um I don't know if this is, uh, like, I'm not a literary critic enough to know this, but I think there's something very, like, there's a very strong um, rationality amongst many Americans that I speak to where they think they're very prescriptive about the way you have to do a mystery show. And and what he's saying there is like how when he's asking the question how he, how can you make this movie work knowing that it's going to withhold the answer from you and and the assumption that you're making there is that there is an answer that will be satisfying and that will tie everything together in like a neat little box and um, and I think that is very much. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's an exclusively American thing, but I think it's there's like something so uh, to me as a kind of foreigner, something so American about like the uproar and the outrage that people have about the leftovers that people had about lost uh, when things don't get tied up in their neat little uh, bow presents uh, at the end. And it's like, well, like when you're asking the question, how can you make this movie work? Like that's exactly the reason that you do make the movie because it's uh, subverting expectations. Like we don't want the neat little uh, CSI type mystery where it's like we'll introduce something and then, just have like a swooping in title together thing at the end. Yeah. Anyway. Well, uh, I, yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking as an American and an amateur film critic, I would say that I think 
in my experience, people tend to enjoy the satisfaction of being the ones to kind of figure it out. You know, there's like that mm-hmm. collective experience, like, or I got it before anybody else did and I, I've solved it. And there's like a total satisfaction there, not to mention, um, you know, typically it being like everything is solved in under two hours and it's a nice form of escape. And it's like, boom, because life is confusing. And so typically, like, I don't, <laughs> I, I feel like sometimes, uh, Films are formulaic because, you know, for that reason, and they appeal to a certain type of audience. But the certain type of audience that will appreciate and enjoy this, the type of storytelling that Damon Lindelof wants to tell, um, it will re- it will reach like its intended audience. But yes, I, and I, I will say as much as I love this show, I do experience that kind of frustration a lot with it, you know, because mm-hmm. I do, I, I do sometimes, I would like to have at least one piece of the puzzle figured out, but that's not the point of this show mm-hmm. at all. And like, it's taken me some time to be, to really kind of, um, to know that we're not going to, even though it's been like drilled into our heads all season, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, so I think there's something really, uh, great about having that satisfaction and that escapism. But I also feel like there's so, so much value in, subverting all those expectations too and i think it's really cool yeah, because i never do well yeah but I'm, I'm just kind of saying that it's um yeah i never know what to expect and and with this show i think it's really mm-hmm. it's really cool that way it's good that. so well so know. this gives us some more a, a little bit more interesting background oh, i kind of want to watch it the place at hanging rock yeah picnic. we should uh we should watch it i mean we'll maybe do a podcast about it like maybe uh a supplemental one after this season is finished we yeah. could come back and watch picnic at hanging rock um yeah we could probably think of others anyway so <laughs> <laughs> um, not to beat a dead horse though mm-hmm. but you know what they say um uh miracles can happen when you believe anyway let's go head on over <laughs> to our uh moments of bewilderment section this week All right, so this section this week, uh, we've used this in a lot of different ways. This week, it's going to be a time for all our questions. <laughs> so basically, the rest of the episode, we're just going to be asking, like, what the heck about a lot of things. So the first question that I have is, what's motivating Meg? Cocaine. <laughs> I think cocaine. It's got to be cocaine. Those white lines, you know? Oh, yeah, I didn't. Mm-hmm. I, I am so bad at picking <laughs> up symbolism yeah. in songs. It's so, it's <laughs> <laughs> like the most <laughs> obvious. I love it. I love it. I love it. I was like, what is this song? Oh, oh it's white, white lines. lines. So she's doing white lines. Blurred lines. <laughs> <laughs> Might be blurred after. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, cocaine number one. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a big motivator. So, <laughs> apparently, she's just. Um, just a hyper motivated person is what we learn from her mom. Yes. Who, among other things, says, when you have a cause, there's no stopping you. And this was when uh, she was like, Meg was trying to pay back her mom all uh, imagined debts from the past. And I was like, that's not, yeah. 
when you're when you're when you're in the family, like you can't ever pay your ba- your parents back. Maybe if for you're everything egg. that they've ever done for you, <laughs> 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 you'd have to give them just like here's everything three hundred thousand dollars or something. <laughs> <laughs> that is what I am worth. <laughs> That's what you've spent on me That's my right. whole life. Oh God, uh, we are done here. <laughs> like why? Do, why? Why is? Why is she so desperately to like have the ledger at zero? You know, that's yes. a, that's a whole. I have that's a great question. Meg, what's what's her deal? Yeah, let's <laughs> call her. Meg, what's going on? Um, yeah. So, I and I I have no idea because like we she didn't have her whole episode last season, but mm-hmm. last year Liv Tyler did uh ha- do an interview with HBO, um. And they asked her for a little bit of insight into Meg. And she said, Meg feels completely suffocated and trapped. She just wants to escape to do anything to feel something different than what she's feeling. Um, She goes to the guilty remnant to get away from her present scenario in her head uh, to see what it feels like. And then other things (laughs) happen. Sure. I feel like that's a very unreliable... Well, it's also, again, it's kind of vague. Like, so she's suffocated and trapped. You know, uh, what I knew of Meg last season, she was kind of frustrated by planning for the wedding. And there was a moment where she had a fight with her fiance and said, Uh like, oh, you know, weddings are not about weddings are about centerpieces. They're not about, you know, the wedding itself. And she like kind of flipped Uh out. And then she was like, but I'm really looking forward to it. So what is she trapped by? Like what? So I don't know. Um, she, yeah, she she seems to show up. She's become like toward the end of last season and this season too. She became a really monstrous uh, person who shows up to yeah. just cause a problem and just kind of show up and like be the instigator of. Well, mayhem. she when she has a cause, there's nothing to stop her. That's true. There's no stopping her. Apparently. Uh, so yeah. I want to know what other things she's done. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, she was on the Glee Club. Oh yeah. And um, that's true. She's actually her, her. She changed her name from Rachel. Hmm. Okay. From Glee. Yeah. She, she, this is ca- this character is actually just it's Rachel growing up. Oh, is it? Oh wow. That that is the character from Glee's name, right? Is Rachel? Yes. The what's her name? Mm-hmm. Person. She changed her name to Meg. Yeah, and, and just really. You could see that yeah. they're basically the same character. They're both. <laughs> yeah, they can't. <laughs> they're unstoppable. Yeah. Meg could do a, a mean Barbara uh, Streisand impression as well. I'm sure. Does that is that what uh, what's her name does? Yeah. What is what's her real name? Leah Michelle. Leah Michelle. Yeah. Sure. Is she good on Scream Queens now? I've stopped watching it. Okay. I can't fine. take it. <laughs> sorry, I, Ryan Murphy. Sorry, uh, everybody. Yeah. For your Scream Queens information, yeah. go elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so why does Meg uh, choose to talk rather than write? Why do you think? Well, I mean, you know, we just talked about her having a cause, nothing stopping her. I feel like this plays into she's just kind of rebellious for um for some reason uh she and i feel like this happens in different i don't know like she also i think uh when she's talking to the council of old ladies in white mm-hmm. um 
she says they're forgetting. It, that's her like sort of. That's her cause is to that make is everybody sort of remember. Her motivation, I guess. Yes, is but to make why? Every, but I don't know why. why. Um, but so I think like because she's like they're forgetting. Mm-hmm. She's like. I guess her reasoning is maybe like there's no point in not talking anymore because it expediency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it takes so long to write everything down. I mean, I don't blame her. I would yeah. just be like, Ugh, I'm over yeah, it. Yeah, I would die yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Or like, why don't they just text each other? <laughs> Seriously. Come on. Has, uh, that would probably be quicker than writing stuff down. <laughs> I know. Haven't you ever been like, that's what always kind of frustrated me. You know, even last season, it was like a nitpicky mm-hmm. thing. But I was like, whenever I had a sore throat, I used to do that, like with a dr- or a dry erase board. Don't waste so much paper, uh-huh. you know. Yeah, sure for they're sure. Around. But I yeah, just they should just text people. Like that's to, yeah. they should just be millennials and like <laughs> sit at <laughs> sit at a, at a at a restaurant and text each other. Yeah, rather than talk. talk that's to what millennials. So so they're really on millennials trend. They're are in the, the guilty remnant of what exactly. Well, what we're saying is that millennials are the guilty remnant. Right. And they should be <laughs> um, stoned. Hated. <laughs> well, they stone each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I would say it's just sort of expediency. It might also be like a like a yeah. consideration from Damon and, and the, the writers and being like, we just want to write some dialogue. Yeah, let's just <laughs> get on with it. Right, exactly. It'll make this so much quicker. And there's a lot, there's, uh, you know, it's not effective to have silence for as long as they have sometimes. You just got to keep it going. So, yeah, you know. So what did Isaac tell Meg that her mom said? Oh, yeah. So this, this is maybe the biggest uh, mystery of this episode because it, it is so like... Uh, it is so, uh, oh gosh, like it matters so much to the story. Like, but it also doesn't matter because, because it probably is exactly like what he was saying is that when people are going to die, but they don't know it, they don't say profound things and it's always going to be disappointing. Right. But I mean, I feel like if you knew what it was, you'd have a better idea of whether it was disappointing or how it was disappointing right. to her or why she suddenly just hates everything. Right. Like, was this the turning point then? Was some what he said to her um, the turning point f- to have her um, kind of change and, yeah. and a, ca- a cause? Like, whatever her mom might have said to her oh and that's so frustrating because yeah in the flashback her mom says it'll just take a minute and meg says i have to go pee will yeah. it take very long and then her mother dies of a heart attack and she goes to see isaac yeah and uh yeah so it I, always I, happens like uh, um yeah so i i do wonder because then she comes out you know and her fiance is asked if she got her answer and she says well he wasn't the real deal you know and she was lying. Yeah, oh totally cuz her Isaac's whole expression the deal. are real. <laughs> um yeah, it's so but it's one one of those things again we we may never know. It's like a lost in translation moment. Yeah. Although we didn't really even see anything. That happened a lot. Like you would see like a moment and then you either just had to kind of assume what you what you could out of it. Anyway, 
Yeah. So I don't know. Do you think it might have been a turning point for her? I think it was yeah. definitely a turning point. Um, it reminds me, saying we may never know, it reminds me of uh, one of the deep thoughts by Jack Handy. Do you know that? Uh, of that? From SNL? Yeah. Yes. So why, why would a, a grown man throw a solid gold baby into a river? Maybe we'll never know. (laughs) 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 Oh, I want to dissect that. And yet I just want to leave it alone. (laughs) Leave it alone. There is no dissecting. No. But why is there? Okay. Not even going to touch it. (laughs) 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 Why is the baby solid gold? (laughs) You know who loves that joke? Damon Lindelof. I love that joke. Uh, Yes. Yeah. So why does she say I can do this for real? Or what is she saying? What is the this? <laughs> what, what is the this? Is she what is, the hot yeah. magical uh, What hug? is the signifier? Yeah, I don't think she was talking about the hugs, but I can't imagine what else she was talking about. Making a difference in a violent or non-violent, because like, they, their whole goal, even though it is a scam, Tom and Lori's little w- setup that they have is like, Lori ultimately thinks that even though they're collecting money and they're doing donations and it's a total fake out that Tom can hug Tom's hugs can change people. She said they're at least, you know, it's like she's so getting better. Lori is so cynical. Like to me, her, her, her being cynic, it's such a turn off. (laughs) I'm just like, well, do you think she's just kind of become that way or she's always been that way? Well, I think it, she's very pragmatic. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's her cynicism is like the cynicism of a uh, psychiatrist. Right. Where it's like, oh, I've figured this out. I know what I'm talking about. but And it's so obvious that she doesn't and she hasn't figured it out. But she's sort of resting in this false knowledge. And... Um, and like, yeah, the, the then the cynicism just seems so petty and mm-hmm. um, like arrogant and strutty, strutting like the look at me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, what I think, but so um, several times it comes up. Like um, Meg says, "I'm gonna do this thing. It's gonna change everything. Just you wait." Just you wait. <laughs> um, and also the the lady at the barnyard or whatever writes down to Tom. She's going to change everything. So I think maybe I can do this for real. I would I would say sort of means I can change things for real. Yeah. I would agree with that. Right. It's not, not all about the hugs, y'all. Yeah. So here's maybe... I know I said one of the other questions we already asked was my biggest question. This is really my biggest question. Why can't you cry while you eat baby carrots? Because <laughs> I think that is not true. I think you can definitely cry while you're eating baby you carrots. You can cry while you eat anything. <laughs> that is, that, that's a challenge. Challenge accepted. Are baby carrots, like, do they make you happy, Molly? You know, I haven't had a baby <laughs> carrot in a while, and I'm kind of, kind of down. Maybe I, I should eat. Recently, did you? How do you, how do you feel? You feel good? Well, uh, you know. I don't know. Oh, okay. They're 
They're I prefer peppers. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, peppers make me cry because they're spicy. Oh, they're spicy. but like bell peppers, I mean. Well, like regular, yeah, regular <laughs> peppers, all peppers. <laughs> Just bell peppers aren't spicy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't specify all of them. Uh, spicy. Spicy. Yeah, uh, I I got I got nothing yeah, for you I on this. All in that was that's one of those um, lines that, like the way it was delivered. I think the like whole conversation between Meg and Evie was like very borderline, like corny, and mm. kind of lame. Like all of their dialogue. I mean, it was delivered pretty well, and the scene wasn't too bad. But like the dialogue between them, I was like, "What is like? Is this like well, a? Is this like Secret Life of an American Teenager <laughs> or something?" Uh, I wouldn't go that far. I, I maybe Evie is just like the baby carrot ambassador of Miracle, and just sees people that are, look disappointed and comes around yeah. to like give them baby carrots. Like I'm gonna make a like Lupin gives to Harry and Harry Potter and gives him the chocolate to make him feel better. Yeah, maybe <laughs> Evie is Lupin. That is what I'm saying. No, um, she's not. How much of a connection? You're a girl. You have intuition and stuff. Sure. How much of a connection would you say? That just like sitting on a bench, Evie and Meg, like what sort of, how would you define that connection? Um, Because it seems very, for some reason, something very profound in both of their lives. uh, We come to find out later, kind of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, that's true. By sort of proxy. Yeah. So how would you like... If you had an encounter like that, what what would that do to you? I don't know what I'm asking. Am I am I <laughs> having this encounter as Evie seeing somebody, or am I uh-huh. having this encounter as uh, Meg, who's just like having somebody approach me? Both. Either way, Either. both. Okay. I don't. I feel like Evie. Maybe she had some kind of sympathy or empathy toward her and she saw that she was kind of obviously in pain so she was like okay I'll mm-hmm. try and cheer her up and this is all I got yeah. or or it was just kind of like a, and she's seen this happen to other people so she's just kind of like I'm sorry look I'm sorry it's don't believe the hype <laughs> you know sort of thing and yeah. she hopes that you know she at least can say something that'll maybe make her feel a little bit better um but she kind of, she kind of, I don't know. That's where I'm at. Yeah. So I think. Um, but as far as a connection. Like, yeah, why is their connection so sort of like profound in that moment? I don't know. Is it just something that. Maybe Evie's also disappointed because she hoped, you know, something. She, there's a disappointment in her and she suffers from some con- other condition. That maybe maybe yeah. they thought miracle would help and it doesn't. I I uh, feel like Meg and Evie are sort of similar characters because the way that we're introduced to Evie in the beginning of this season, I was most of what I was thinking was like, what is her deal? And most of what 
I've always been thinking about Meg is like, what is her deal? Yeah. Uh, What's the deal with both of them? Really? Yeah. Like, why are they doing the things they're like? There doesn't seem to be anything concrete that's driving them. It's just sort of this weird, vague sense of angst. Maybe it's the, uh, maybe it's Kierkegaard's uh, fear coming back, but. Maybe. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they just both sense something. Um, and well, certainly, as we find out later, I feel like Meg can has like a weird power over people mm-hmm. um, and uh, and can kind of convince them to come see her her side of things, too. Yeah. So um, I don't know. Maybe well, it's like something like that. When she's got a cause, there's no stopping her. Oh, yes. Uh, so. Here's a question. Who are those council ladies? Like, what is that council? It's not important what, like, their names are. But, like, what is that council? Is Why is there a ruling council? Well, who's the leader right now of the Guilty Remnant? Like Those three okay. girls, yeah. I would assume. Those ladies. Yeah. Uh, women. Yeah. I, I would assume. I assume they're just... But I don't know why they're the leaders. I... Th- um, I mean, deleted scene. I have no idea. Uh, I know that one of them, <laughs> the the head woman, was played um, her uh, by an actress named Adina Porter, and she played Tara's mom in True Blood. So I've seen her before, um, and she also in that show. So um, her character played a woman who was kind of following a cause. Um, Ooh. Yeah. So is I mean that ended up being a total mess, and she was kind of a mess of a character in, or her character is a mess. She played it very well, but her whole, so it was interesting to see her as a very like calm composed in this scenario. But yeah, so I, I, but going back to the ladies, I don't, I think it's interesting because the way that Tom spoke about them in like the Tom episode is he was like, they're unorganized. They don't, talk they don't they don't know about each other and obviously well, it takes he too was long for wrong. them to all write it down you know first well that's it, it, it just he, each he other. was wrong about that though yeah. is the thing and that like is why he got caught and beaten up and stuff uh and and so now we're it's like revealed to us that the guilty remnant really are like organized they're like an organized religion this is the uh, the ruling council. They're like the Jedi Council. Um, so anyway, um, apparently there's a Jedi Council of the guilt- Guilty Remnant. Yeah. And those were the most exciting scenes for me in the Star Wars movies. I don't know about <laughs> you. Although... The <laughs> yeah, I love when Anakin is standing in the Jedi Council. I love like when Samuel L. Jackson is sitting things. down and talking. Yeah, and there's the tennis time. racket alien... He's the best. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, actually, but uh, but I did. Uh, that scene was uh, interesting. But um, yeah, they're forgetting is one of the. Um, yeah. They also told her, don't threaten children. That's not our cause. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she's like, well, why, why? not? <laughs> <laughs> we stone our own members. Yeah. That was horrific. Um, Even though the grenade. So that's an answer to something from season one. That, guys, what I'm trying to say is we've gotten plenty of answers from this show. So um, many. I mean, if you know where to look, they're right in front of your yeah, face. So the, sure. the answer to who's Gladys, well, we already 
knew that it was the guilty remnant because they'd mentioned it earlier this season, but they're just reinforcing that. It's very again, old school. Is that as their own people is killing them. So Tom, let's let's talk about Tom. Yeah. Molly. Oh gosh. I don't know. I don't know. Like I does he have Stockholm syndrome? Because do you think he does? Because of um you know, well, typically. I am a licensed uh, psychologist. I know that's why I'm asking. Psychoanalyst, psychiatrist, yeah. um, with multiple PhDs from multiple Ivy League universities, and I would say that yes, he does have Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> Great, it's confirmed. Heard it here <laughs> first. Uh, yeah, but that's that is what I took away from Tom's behavior in this episode, even though. It's like but he has. He's also like one of those what's his deal characters. Because all through the first season, I was asking, like, what is, why is he doing this? Why does he keep helping this ungrateful Asian chick? Like, why does he like Wayne? What does he really want? And I, I don't think I've ever been able to answer what he no. wants. And maybe it's again, it's like one of those situations where something like the departure happened and it was traumatic and he just kind of his family kind of went every which way and so he kind mm -hmm. of he just wants lost the pain his way. to go he away was, yeah is what he keeps saying he's yeah like, and so he makes the pain go away is when he confronts um meg the first time or meg in this episode yeah. and he's making the loud noise of the whistleblower guilty remnant place Oh, yeah. The minute he jumped in there, I was like, just what are you doing? Stop. Stop. Yeah. Oh, my God. What are you doing? And but yeah, it's very confusing to me because I thought he before this episode, I thought he really wanted to become this like messianic you know, figure. And he really thought he was like deluded himself into thinking that. And I was like, oh, that would be interesting if he totally went off the rails and was like, this is me. I can do this. I have this power. And he didn't. And he's just like, he completely lost it. It's a lot of, of lying to do. But now, but no, I mean, it's all, it is all a lie. And so it's a very elaborate um, thing. So now I don't know. So I feel like it's my, my initial impressions of Tom have been subverted. So now, no, gosh. And so do you think Meg wanted to get pregnant from that? Or she says... Something I wanted else. to get you pregnant yeah. is what she said. I know, but I'm like, that's just like a weird way to throw us all that's into a the... Just a weird yeah, thing to say. I know. But I thought I thought that was really strange. So, yeah, Tom and Meg go on a road trip adventure. They stop at a honky-tonk. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it just gets real weird. It just, he just it's completely... It's so weird. I don't know what... Yeah. Um, What's the fascination, Tom? Surely you're a good looking guy. Find you can do else. better than I your think rapist. They both could do better. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's that moment oh. when your rapist walks into the room. Oh god. <laughs> that was just and and with the, the score just kicked in, it was just like she's do you think she I mean she's worse? Do you think maybe she's probably like worse uh, Patty, than Patty is yeah, Patty is to Kevin. As Meg is to Tom, like she's Tom's Patty, kind of, but not really. 
I suppose. I don't know. In, ten, in, in the sense of like a guilty remnant figure just coming into the li- his life and just messing with his head a lot. Well, certainly. Yeah, there's there's parallels. Anyway, okay. I, don't, I just don't know what the deal is. Like it, it almost seems like there's no point in speculating about Tom. I mean, like the the things that we do know is his sort of confession as he questions, can you take the pain away? So he's carrying a lot of pain. It's sort of unnamed pain. I don't, you're like, what is it from? I don't know. Is it from like his time with Christine? Is that the Asian girl's name? Could have been. Um, and the little, uh, uh, what's, Gosh, what's the daughter's name now? The baby. Uh, the Eve baby? Evangel- Lily. Oh. <laughs> Lily the baby. The um, And like Wayne and stuff. But also, I don't know. There's nothing like concrete that I can be like, okay, this is the foundation of this character that I can understand. Mm-hmm. And I can understand how everything like emanates from that one point. Uh, so I just, right. I, I mean, I think this episode is, is um, about the most confusing characters to me in the show. Like uh, Meg's just a confusing character because you don't know what's motivating her. Evie is a computing, confusing character because you don't want to know what's motivating her. And uh, now Tom's also it's like we always m- been a confusing character. Yeah. You don't know what he wants. It's like we may know, but there may be hints at what, what might be motivating them. Um, but nothing's, nothing's very clear. So, yeah. Yeah. So we got other answers as well, mm-hmm. uh, such as Miracle National Park is the park that surrounds Jordan and protects its exceptional properties is something that we hear on the advertising at the beginning of the episode. And then Meg says it again when she's talking to Matt, I believe. Yeah. Does they, do they say that on the audio tour? Or yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so she says the exact phrase, which is, I mean, repetition is always important. Um, so I think that when Meg says it, eventually she's like sort of in a not too thinly veiled way talking about Evie and her friends as the exceptional properties. Um, so she's sort of uh, like the way she says it's t- says it to Matt is um, like in a uh, like arrogant way of like we're gonna break that all apart we're gonna change this forever Um, to make them remember or to remind them because they're so exceptional because they didn't have any but anything (coughs) happened to them and she's like well now you're gonna have something happen to you like yeah yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that was the thing that happened. Uh, what else happened when she was talking to Matt? There was like a specific disagreement. Uh, well, he 
had a very pleasant conversation with her until he said, I don't think you're being honest with me. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't remember. Because like he was saying a little bit, I think how the place was special. Right. And she was like, agreed with that. And he's like, why are I don't you think like, you're being honest? Yeah. With me. Why are you here? Yeah. Um, and you're talking. So, yeah. Yeah. And then she's like, what are you waiting for? Mm-hmm. What are you waiting for? Yeah. Um, How many times do you think what are you waiting for has been used as a lyric for a song? Uh, Gwen Stefani's used it like a thousand <laughs> times. So <laughs> I know that that much. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a really good, really good song lyric used by many people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so her big plan, as we come to find out, in the we don't know her plan though. Okay, well, whatever. The part of the plan, the part of the big plan, is, uh, so Tom should not go in the barn. What does he do? Yeah, he goes in the barn. He goes what in are the you barn. Doing Tom? Why? I just kept saying no. I don't. was so nervous. The whole th- it was very it was suspenseful. Die. And I haven't felt that suspenseful about a scene since Breaking Bad. Since a long time. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was it like, was a very Breaking yeah, Bad Yeah, it scene. was just like, oh, God. Like, And then he mm-hmm. can't open. There's a trailer. There's like an Airstream trailer in there. Uh-huh. And, uh, and we were like, it's got to be explosives. It's got to be explosives. I had no idea. I mean, I think uh, part of me, I think, thought maybe is she going to blow up the bridge? Like, what's going to happen? Like, what? how yeah. is this going to work? And she ended up. Um, he he. Tom grabbed an axe and then pried open the door. And behind the door was Evie and her friends and her friends, her two friends. Yeah. Oh boy. And yeah. then uh, did she say something? She said something like, um, "Like there's nothing you like nothing, nothing to see to here." See. <laughs> like, I, I'm sure that's not what she said, but it was. I it, think it was pretty much. It was close said. to that, and then she shuts and the she door shuts in his face. The door, and then it's over. Yeah, and and like, come on, and then what's it, the plan? Yeah, what are you doing? well, there. I was thinking earlier too. So back when we meet them, um, her and Evie and her friends. It's weird because we see all these scenes of them having a lot of fun, and then we see the scene of them in the car being and, completely yeah. quiet, and like yeah. it's so it's such a weird contrast, and you're just like, why are they? And that's very guilty remnant of them. Now somehow mm-hmm. in between Meg and Evie's meeting and their disappearance, they have collaborated on something. Yeah, like she's drawn them into the you know. Into, the into this plan. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But what actually, is the I think plan? she writes, I think Evie writes something on the notepad even too. Doesn't she write something and uh, show in, it to in him? The begin- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the trailer. I don't know. Yeah. It was something like there's nothing. Right. She doesn't. But, but that's like a total she sign that yeah, she's, she didn't say anything. She's part of the remnant in some way. She has something to do with. But they're with being it. hidden as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so, so strange. So that's. So like Meg's gonna just like come in and mess everything up is basically what we're to assume. But what are they gonna do? Like are they just gonna be like, hey, look, there's the <laughs> girls found them. 
they were <laughs> with us the whole time. Like, what could, or, like, put well, them in a catapult and, like, catapult them into Jordan. I don't know. <laughs> like, what do you, <laughs> like they used to do in sieges in medieval times where they'd uh, catapult uh, rotting cow carcasses into cities. Or maybe she uh, won't ever return them. Disease. Maybe she won't. Maybe. But what's going to change everything? I don't know. Because um, I, I feel like. So far, she has, in a small way, changed things because things were kind of okay in Miracle where nothing happened and it was a very, like, until the girls disappeared, everybody was living semi-peacefully except for the houses being set on fire. Uh, you yeah. Know? And, and there was a harmony and there's been a disruption and people are kind of against each other and, like, there's a lot of, you know... Um, I don't know. She's like trying to expose something there's no about miracles it. And miracles. Yeah, there's no miracles anywhere. And I mean, even despite this, like John's cynicism, everybody has some kind of cynicism about it. Like she's, but I feel like there's going to be like some big equivalent to last year. Yeah. You know, but we don't know what that is yet. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I mean, I can't, I don't have any guesses. I literally, and that's part of the fun. I have no really. idea. So, <laughs> Molly, who's in most need of a hug this week? Mm, gosh. I'm nominate Tom. You know? I just feel mm-hmm. like he's just a little lost lamb. Yeah. So I just want to... He had a couple hugs, but they weren't for him. They were for the other Right. Person. He's the one giving pugs to other people. He needs the hug. Like a Who's real... Who's going to hug the hugger? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the eternal question? Yeah, How who watches you? the Watchmen? Who yeah, likes the Hugger? Exactly. Who put the bop in the bop? The bop. Yeah. So this oh. is the song that plays. Does it play twice? I think it plays twice. Yes. Um, First at the honky tonk, and they dance, and then I thought that was the second. I don't know. No, because then they. When's the other time? When she pulls up to the. Little compound that they're in. The second, the the plain closed guilty room. Yeah, yeah. Compound. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is extraordinary? So this is um, who's the original band for this? Um, when in Rome. It's a cover of a When in Rome song by uh, Sturgill Simpson, who is uh, a lot of people. Well. The people on NPR's All Songs Considered really like him. Um, I've never listened to him much, but I've heard he's good. But the words of this song are very, like, I promise, like, they're very no reservations, I'm all in on this relationship type thing. Yeah. which is like a very strange contrast to what's actually happening in the scene is like Meg's being uh, like weirdly seductive towards him. And oh, Tom's it was very predatory. Like, did not. And Tom's like, "What did you? Why did you uh, make sex with me?" <laughs> and she's like, "I wanted to get you pregnant." And it's like in the background is. Sergio Simonson promising undying love. It's it was just so a weird. Thing. Oh my god. 
Um, yeah. But I do love this um, remix. Yeah. Uh, so what have you? I mean, again, the okay. music choices are, all, are very solid. solid. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed the um, the other, uh, like the spiritual song that they used a couple times. Yeah. Um, I don't have it to hand. The well, in the water. Wait yeah. in the water. Yeah. yeah. We're almost at an end. Coping mechanisms, Molly. Ooh. Okay. Um, well, I will. I will give a shout out to uh, my. I can. This is one of those moments where the universe just aligns, uh-huh. and I can say. You're Meg. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Tell your mom Meg says hello. <laughs> oh, no, just kidding. Uh, no, it's I I wish I could say I was enjoying some leftovers during uh-huh. this podcast, but I do have some great leftovers from Thanksgiving oh, really? that were really good. That's I had nice. these amazing roasted carrots with maple syrup. I'm Ooh. not I'm not joking. They were life changing. That does sound good. Yes. Um, so good. So like really, really enjoyed that time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Uh, I don't know how I've been coping. I've been watching a lot of David Foster Wallace interviews and uh, reading Infinite Jest and stuff. Uh, And I'm also reading this book called Unsayable, uh, which is about the uh, hidden trauma of um, young girls who are victims of sexual abuse. Uh, so it's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Seems interesting. Again, the uh, opposite. It's probably not really a coping mechanism. Uh, <laughs> well, I but mm, but uh, but good good to but it's a, educate. Yeah, yourself. it's a very interesting book, and hmm. um, and actually, it makes a very interesting companion to Infinite Jest because there's a lot of similar themes. You wouldn't. I couldn't get through, get through it. I I would like to read it, uh-huh. like to finish it. Um, but you don't I have don't to. Nobody okay. has to. Well, I. It's a personal it's challenge. Not an what obligation. if I? What if it's a personal challenge to myself right. that I set? Molly, I'm gonna set you a challenge. Oh God! Don't read Infinite Jest. This is my challenge to you. I don't accept it. <laughs> okay. Don't accept it. Uh, but I. But actually, that's done. That's easy. Uh, I will say though, my other one. Um, on a later note, is finishing Aziz Ansari's Master of None. Yeah. I I really didn't think I was going to enjoy it, but um, every episode, it's like it got better and better and had um, interesting things to say. Yeah. Uh, acting still was a little iffy, but yeah. I liked um, there, I liked certain episodes of it, and um, I like Aziz Ansari overall, so... Um, and the music, like I have subscribed to their soundtrack, yeah, uh, their official show soundtrack on Spotify because there was a lot of that '70s um, influence and uh, like early '90s hip hop stuff that he did, and yeah, yeah, it was it's a really it was a really creative um, uh, show that I I was really all right I enjoyed okay. yeah so you guys have your mandate for this week go out read infinite jest read unsayable by annie rogers and watch masters of master of none um 
and throw in a little bit of um, the great the great holiday baking show. Yeah, the great to. British baking show. Also enjoy your if you celebrate Thanksgiving, enjoy your leftovers. And oh, we suggest I'm pretty sure everybody's you know, already done I mean, with their leftovers. But unless okay, like in my family sometimes we make like a second smaller dinner so we can keep oh, it really? going. Yeah. Wow. Which is like You guys love Thanksgiving. Which is like Where would you, you know say what? Thanksgiving falls I just on like, the list of holidays? If it's you not had my to favorite, rank, but if it's you had to rank holidays, what oh. where does it come? Mm. Oh, I like Christmas the most. Uh-huh. I think. Um then Halloween, then then Thanksgiving? No. Nope. Mm. Then Arbor Day? No. Nope. Then President's Day? No. Nope. Then Veterans Day? No. Nope. <laughs> mm. I like uh, Saturnalia. Mm. No. Uh, then I don't uh, know. The I'm Ides a Fourth of, of July girl. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. I've forgotten about <laughs> that one. So it's Fourth okay. of July number three, and then Thanksgiving number four. Nope, Easter probably. <laughs> so Thanksgiving <laughs> is. Does it make the top five? Does it make the top no. five? Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> but but good it Friday. is probably <laughs> top two. Yeah, Good Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no. Thanksgiving yeah. is pretty low down. How do you how do you rank your holidays? Oh well. Uh, well, okay. So <laughs> number one, you got your um the hey, it's your birthday. It's my 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 birthday. That's my favorite uh, holiday. Oh right. You have a national holiday uh, for your birthday. Then then you got your uh your national donut day. Oh, cannot uh, forget that day. Number three, one. National Talk Like a Pirate Day. Mm. Um, then you got your your old uh, Arbor Day. Got to remember Arbor that. Um, yeah. It's too bad Pirate Day and Arbor Day don't fall on the same day. Arbor Day. <laughs> uh, yeah, so those are my top four, and I'm going to not go further than that. Okay. Uh, solid, no, solid choices. I like I don't. I don't. Uh, They're great. They're holidays great. are weird because you always are like, oh, this is going to be so fun. But then by like one o'clock in the afternoon, you're like, oh, I'm so bored. What is there <laughs> to do? Nothing's open. Uh, so anyway, what do we have to plug? Uh, you can tweet at us all of your wonderful Oh, we're gonna keep going. Keep going with this hashtag Thanksgiving leftovers, even though well, it's we had been. such a rousing response. I know that's why <laughs> we're gonna keep it going time. because not enough. Uh, so our Twitter is at Miracle Radio Pod. You can also uh-huh. email us at Miracle Radio Pod at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, also, let us know if you'd like us to watch um, Picnic at Hanging Rock at Hanging Rock uh, and talk about it, and you guys can. Watch it too, and we can all have a little bit of a a uh, powwow about it afterwards, and just have a good good time between friends. You know, yeah, a good time will be had by all. Well, anyway, cheers to that. So a lot of stuff uh, happened to this episode, but surprisingly little at the same time. Um, in any case, we're, we're still, still here. here.